Richard Strauss composed some of the most colorful and stirring music ever written. And although he was the greatest writer of tone poems who ever lived, he remains to this day underappreciated as a composer. An artist of unabashedly romantic temperament who was ever attentive to his audience, Strauss was also a virtuoso orchestrator who could make a hundred-piece ensemble sound like a chamber orchestra and a chamber orchestra sound like a full symphony. His impassioned work was not so much innovative as it was personal, and his music reflects wonderfully the man who wrote it. Hello, this is Gerard Schwartz for Musically Speaking. Join me for the next hour in exploring the fascinating life and work of Richard Strauss. We'll consider the cultural milieu in which he came of age and the trajectory of his long career. We'll also discuss his contributions to two major types of music, the tone poem and opera, and closely examine three outstanding examples of these forms, thus spake Zarathustra, Salome, and Intermezzo. Mozart and Mendelssohn are generally recognized as the great child prodigies among history's most illustrious composers. But Strauss was hardly less precocious. Born in 1864 in Munich, he was immersed in music from an early age. His father, Franz Joseph Strauss, was the principal French horn player in the fine Munich court orchestra. The elder Strauss was passionate about music, and he imparted his enthusiasm to his young son. Richard received instructions in playing the piano beginning at age four, and he took up violin soon after. No less important than his formal instruction was the rich opportunity Strauss had to hear music. As a child, he attended rehearsals and concerts of the Munich Orchestra, and he later had opportunities to play chamber music with his father's colleagues. All this brought him a wealth of musical experience at a very young age. Strauss composed his first original piece, A Christmas Song, when he was just six years old. By the time he had turned 14, Strauss had written dozens of songs, a piano sonata, an orchestral serenade, a concert overture, part of a mass setting, and several pieces of chamber music. Only Mendelssohn had ever attained such mastery of composition as an adolescent. To appreciate just how much expertise Strauss had achieved at this early age, Let's listen to a bit of his serenade in E-flat for wind instruments, Opus 7, written around the time of his 18th birthday. Here's a portion of the work's initial section. This is a gorgeous and impressive piece of music. Not only does Strauss create a very appealing melody, he colors it with a sophisticated harmonic palette and a finely wrought counterpoint. It's one thing to present attractive themes, but quite another to develop them in a dramatic and compelling way. Strauss does exactly that in the central portion of the same piece.
Having produced music of that quality while still in his teens, it is small wonder that Strauss began to attract favorable attention from prominent musicians, and not just in Munich. His E-flat serenade came to the attention of Hans von Bülow, the great pianist and composer who was an associate of both Wagner and Brahms. Bülow was so taken with the work that he included it in a concert of his renowned Meiningen Orchestra. He subsequently performed other works by the young Strauss. Strauss by now had established himself as a composer of exceptional promise. If there was a deficiency in his musical training, it was its rather conservative orientation which reflected the influence of his father. Franz Strauss was a dyed-in-the-wool traditionalist. He revered the composers of the classical school, particularly Mozart and Beethoven, and the 19th-century masters who upheld classical principles, such as Mendelssohn and Brahms. He was, however, entirely unsympathetic to the more radical music of the Romantic era, including that of Liszt and Berlioz. Strauss's father especially hated Wagner and Wagner's music, which he forbade his son even to hear. But in the inevitable spirit of adolescent rebellion, Richard eventually defied his father's ban. When he was seventeen, he secretly studied the score of Wagner's Tristan and Isolde. The unprecedented harmonic daring of that opera held him spellbound. His appetite whetted, Strauss then absorbed the operas of Wagner's ring cycle. Here Strauss found a whole new realm of musical expression, but he was yet too young and too loyal to classical procedures to really absorb it. So he continued to write polished and surprisingly personal compositions in a conservative style that recalled the manner of Mendelssohn, Schumann, and Brahms. But the young Strauss was about to experience a dramatic change in his artistic direction. In 1885, Hans von Bülow asked the 21-year-old Strauss to become assistant conductor of the Meiningen Orchestra, perhaps the finest orchestra in the world at that time. This offer was an honor for one so young, and Strauss was quick to accept. In Meiningen, he had the opportunity to learn music and conducting directly from Bülow. He also appeared with the orchestra as a piano soloist, playing Mozart's great C minor concerto, and as a conductor, leading a symphony of his own composition. These experiences proved invaluable to Strauss's musical development, but more important was the friendship he formed with violinist Alexander Ritter. A composer as well as an instrumentalist, Ritter was a devoted follower of Liszt and Wagner, the very same radical romantics Strauss's father saw as threats to musical culture. Ritter had played under Liszt in the Weimar Court Orchestra, and he had later married Wagner's niece. Though not as talented a composer as Strauss, he was more advanced intellectually. Ritter eventually convinced Strauss to look beyond classical composition and to consider musical designs that followed literary or dramatic developments. This was what Liszt had done in his tone poems, a new type of composition in which a descriptive story is told in music. Ritter's ideas found fertile ground in Strauss, who was searching for a way to move beyond the conservative style of his early work. I have increasingly felt a contradiction between the poetic ideas I wish to convey and the sonata form that has come down to us from the classical composers, he wrote not long after meeting Ritter. At last, Strauss took up writing program music, particularly tone poems. New ideas must search for new forms, Strauss wrote in describing his conversion to this new type of composition. Strauss set about putting this new credo into action. In 1886, he composed a series of tone poems that brilliantly expanded the range of that genre. The first of them, A Musical Journey Through Italy, proved only partially successful. A second, 
based on Shakespeare's Macbeth, satisfied the composer only after he revised it some years later. But in 1888, at age 24, Strauss scored a major success with his tone poem Don Juan. Strauss took his inspiration for this composition from a long work by the Romantic poet Nicholas Lanau.